Uh, it's a delight to be with you. If you'd please open your Bibles to uh, Psalm 124. Uh, our church has been going through the uh, Psalms of Ascents, uh, which uh, begin at Psalm 120 and go through uh, Psalm 134. A uh, very beautiful uh, section of the Psalter and of uh, the Old Testament as a whole. And today, tonight, we'll be looking at Psalm 124. While you turn there, I, I just want to say it's a great joy and a, and a privilege. I think it's my first time uh, worshiping with you all at uh, New Life Church. And uh, Pastor Garrett is a dear brother and uh, comrade in the work of the Lord. And, and I'm really thankful for your ministry, brother, thankful for your church. So it's great to be with you this evening. I feel really privileged to bring God's word. Psalm 124. And this text tonight is about to transport us back in time by about 500 years to the early 16th century. After many years of darkness in the church, the Protestant Reformation took place. And this resulted in Christians once again being able to read the Bible in their own language. Before that time, you see, the Roman Catholic Church had prevented Christians from reading the Bible. It prevented people from reading the Bible in their own language. It was only in Latin and kept away from the people. But thanks to the Protestant Reformation, God's people began to discover the truths, the magnificent truths of the Scripture. They began to discover the gospel of salvation by faith alone. And there was great revival as many people began to turn to Christ by reading the Scriptures. And of course, always in the history of God's people with great revival often comes great persecution. And so soon in, in many nations it was illegal to be a Christian, to be a Protestant. It was illegal to own a Bible it was illegal to even pray at home in your vernacular language. Christians were burned for praying the Lord's Prayer at home by the church, the Roman Catholic Church. It was illegal in most of these nations, of course, illegal for Protestant churches to gather. And, and you know what a trial it can be for the church being unable to gather. We've been through this, of course, not because of persecution, but because of a pandemic. And churches were prevented from gathering. But when they did gather for worship, most commonly, they opened their worship services with Psalm 124. Psalm 124. And you're going to see why. I'd like us all to read this psalm Together, let's read it together. All right, Psalm 124, a song of ascents of David. If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey 
to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Brothers and sisters, this psalm shows us that the Lord, God, the creator of heaven and earth, is our help no matter what we face. And I want us to look at three ways that Psalm 124 shows us God's help. First, David shows us, the author of the psalm, shows us the seriousness of the danger. The seriousness of the danger that we as God's people find ourselves in. So there's a, a genre that's becoming increasingly common. It's been especially common over the last uh, 20 to 30 years in both, history, in, in both writing, in both literature, as well as in film. And, and this is the genre of alternative history. So this is taking particular events in history and then retelling them uh, as if what, what if, what if something else had happened, you know, a pivotal event. Of course, one very common uh, alternative history that asks the question, what if, is what if Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany had won World War II? What would our world look like? What if? David, in this psalm, is taking us through a little alternative history here. He's taking us through a little what if in the lives of God's people. We don't know what specific incident that he's referring to. It could apply, of course, to several different episodes, battles and struggles in the lives of God's people in David's own life. And David asks the question, what if? What if the Lord had not been on our side? What would have happened if God had not helped us? Well, we would have been destroyed. We would have been utterly wiped out. God's people would have been annihilated. And by describing this, David shows us the immensity of the danger that afflict the people of God. He uses four images to describe the seriousness of the dangers that God's people face from their enemies here. Four images. So first you see this in, in verses 2 and 3. He says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. We would have been swallowed alive. This is, this is an image almost of, you know, so, sometimes you see in these movies of the earthquakes when the earth opens up and people are just swallowed alive into the ground. Or, or maybe you've watched on National Geographic or on the Discovery Channel or Planet Earth, you know, of the, the python that's swallowing up a rodent or a frog and and the creature is utterly helpless, just being swallowed whole, swallowed alive. It's an image that, 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 that conveys 
something that absolutely consumes your life in one shot. You're finished off just like that. The second image David uses here is that of uncontrolled water, of flooding. Uh, Look at verses 3 to 5. He says, when their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. You know, I think back to 2004 when I was living in uh, South India and the tsunami in December 2004. Some of your countries, some of you would remember that of people who were just swept away. The devastation that the tsunami brought. I think of flash flooding and, and floods recently in, in my hometown, 2015 in Chennai. You, you saw images of, of cows and, and cars and, and all of this just being, you know, tossed about and floating, sinking. The image conveys that this attack or or these waters, this, this, this is absolutely overwhelming. It, it just carries you off. There's nothing you can do about it. Things have gotten out of your control. The circumstances are beyond your control. And you're just being swept away. The third image that David uses here is of prey in the teeth of a predator. Look at verse 6. He says, Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. The attacks of the enemy here are like a predator. Again, you think of the Discovery Channel like, you know, the the tiger or, or the leopard, the fierce predator who's captured its prey and about to sink their teeth in. It describes the aggressiveness, the ferociousness, the fact that that some trials, some afflictions, some enemies come that threaten to tear apart your life. And and the fourth image that David uses here is that of a trap. Verse 7. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. The fowler is someone who catches birds. Of course, in the ancient world, we have a a lot of images and records of bird traps that the fowlers used to uh, catch birds, trap them. And, And here we are saying, David says, we see that they were caught like a bird in the snare of the fowlers. And think of a bird inside a cage or in a trap absolutely helpless, unable to escape itself. It's trapped and there's no way out. The situation leaves you with no escape. And and when you put all of these images together and and you begin to see kind of how they complement one another to describe circumstances that are overwhelming and out of control... Attacks from enemies that are fierce and destructive. No way out. The entire situation spells certain disaster. Absolute destruction. But 
the Lord intervened. The Lord rescued His people. The Lord pulls them out of the flood. The Lord grabs them from the enemy's mouth. He breaks them free from the enemy's traps. Now, brothers and sisters, the church today, and and here in this country especially, we're not faced with warfare from enemies like Israel was. In the Old Testament, we see Israel face attacks from other nations. We, We don't face that as the people of God today. We're not a physical or earthly nation. We are a spiritual people as the church. But we too face trials and attacks on all sides. There have always been times in church history when the church could have been entirely wiped out, snuffed out altogether. Through every age of church history, God's people have faced persecution. And even if not persecution, in in our context here, we still face constant afflictions that can cause life and the, the situation, the health of the church, just to be at threat. We face afflictions that can seem overwhelming, hopeless, destructive. We face afflictions from the world, from our own sin, from our enemy Satan, the devil. All of these threaten to undo us. The Bible reminds us that that if you're a Christian, that we as God's people, we face a fierce fight with a deadly enemy. Ephesians 6, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with powers and principalities and evil in high places. And yet, yet, we are preserved. You're still here. If God is for us, then who can be against us? We are preserved because God is on our side. The Lord is on our side. And you know, so many of you, I'm sure I I was just doing this today, you can look back at situations in your life, at particular seasons in your life. You can look back at particular events in your life, maybe you're even going through that right now, where you can say, if not, the Lord had been on our side, what would have become of us? I mean, think about right now. Why haven't we been destroyed yet? Because the Lord. Why hasn't COVID-19 wiped out our faith, wiped out our churches, wiped out our lives altogether. Because the Lord. How come the trials in my life and the attacks of Satan on my faith have not crushed me altogether? Because the Lord. And all of us can say, we can look back at how the Lord saved us, and we can say, if the Lord hadn't saved me, my sin would have killed me and destroyed me and left me doomed for eternity. It's good. It's a good thing for us to remember and to consider the seriousness of the dangers that we've been in 
and even now, the dangers that we often find ourselves in. Because it's only by considering the seriousness of our danger that we realize that it's only God who can help us and that our help can come from nowhere else and from no one else. If you don't remember how grave the danger was, you might be tempted to forget how great the deliverance was. And that, that's the second way. That leads us to the second way that this text reveals to us God's help. First, we see the seriousness of the danger. Second, David wants to show us the nature of the deliverance. The nature of the deliverance. Something very important to notice in this text, if you haven't seen it already, is that the Lord doesn't prevent the danger and the trial altogether. God is sovereign. He's in control. He is the creator of heaven and earth. He rules all things. He controls all things. He could at any time prevent any trouble from coming to His people. The Lord could do that. But again and again, this passage shows us that God permits his people to be afflicted. God permits the trials and the afflictions to come our way and then in his own time and in his own way, he delivers, he rescues, he saves. We see that his deliverance is timely. His deliverance is timely. Look at verses 4 and 5 again. The waters are raging. The flood is sweeping. It's sweeping them away, but God delivers. Verse 6, they're on the verge of being chewed, chewed up by the enemy. The enemy has them in, the, in his grasp, but God rescues them in the nick of time from the enemy's teeth. Verse 7 is especially striking. Look at that one again. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. The Lord breaks the trap and lets his people escape. But not before they've already fallen into the trap and been ensnared. They've already been trapped. They've already gone, gone through the trial of being caught by the fowler. Trapped first, then released. And the Lord who releases them from the trap has allowed them to fall into the trap. He's acted later. God allows the trap and then demonstrates His power to overcome it so that we lean on Him. God works His deliverances unfailingly, faithfully. But it's not on our time. Brothers and sisters, the Lord acts in His time. And very often things may look like they're getting really bad or getting worse or going from bad to worse before He intervenes just in the nick of time. 
And why does he do it that way? So that by recognizing the gravity of the danger, so that by realizing the desperate nature of our circumstances and the dramatic nature of his rescue, that we might praise him all the more for his dramatic deliverance. His deliverance is timely. His deliverance is supernatural. Throughout this psalm, we see that deliverance must come from above. It doesn't come from ourselves. This is not something of our own making. David is not talking about how they escaped or how they devised a plan to get out. There was no way out. There was no other way except unless God intervened. Apart from him, we would perish. That's what David wants us to see. And God's deliverance is complete. It's timely. It's supernatural. It's complete. The snare is broken and we have escaped. The trap has been completely broken and God's people have experienced a complete escape. Now, I think of um, a time in my life where I've seen God work this way, where He acted just in the nick of time when all seemed helpless. My wife and I had been married for a few years and we were praying for a child and the Lord graciously answered our prayers. Uh, we decided to name her Eliana because Eliana means my God answered. And I remember her being born, great joy in the hospital. Um, we were rejoicing. And a uh, couple of days after she was born, we were still in the hospital. We were getting ready to leave. And I was in the nursery room where the nurse was running some routine checks. And all of a sudden, I saw the nurse's uh, you know, cheery face uh, change. And she looked a little bit nervous and uncomfortable. And I'm standing there wondering what's going on. I, I saw her flicking my daughter's foot. Uh, and then I, I kept looking at her and all of a sudden her face went from nervous to panicked almost. And I turned and looked at my girl and she was turning blue. Uh, some fluid had uh, come up from her lungs and she was choking on it and she couldn't breathe. And the, and the nurse was trying to get her to breathe but wasn't working. And the next thing I know, the nurse said, uh, started calling immediately, you know, Code 500 emergency. And I never heard Code 500 emergency before. I didn't know what that was. It turns out a Code 500 emergency is an emergency so serious that hospital staff from every department, one staff member from every department, all come rushing to the scene. And I see these doctors and nurses just running down the hallway and my child can't breathe, and this nurse is doing all that she can. And I just remember standing there, absolutely helpless. My two-day-old daughter, this is out of my control. And there's nothing I can do but stand here and say, the Lord, the Lord, a God gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love 
and mercy and faithfulness. And the Lord acted in the nick of time. My beautiful little girl, Eliana, eight years old today, this, this year, she's eight years old. She's here today. Brothers and sisters, the nature of God's deliverance, His deliverances are timely and complete. He will not let our trials make an end of us. It might be a narrow escape, but it is a complete escape. It may not take place when and where we expect, but it takes place when and where He has ordained. And there are many trials that afflict us and many schemes of the enemy that threaten to undo us. Sometimes the Lord allows these to come our way. The same God who rescued my daughter from death could have prevented that choking incident from happening in the first place. But the Lord allows us to come into these circumstances where we'll call out to Him desperately, where we'll call out to Him because we know there's no one else we can depend on. And then He will act in answer to our prayers in glorious and magnificent ways. And sometimes the Lord allows us to keep on waiting for our deliverance to have to persevere patiently through afflictions. There are some deliverances that we won't experience in this life that we will only experience in eternity. And that is promised to us. The Lord is faithful. One day in His time, He will bring our suffering. He will bring your suffering, dear saint, dear brother or sister. He will bring your suffering and your affliction to an end. And He will rescue you from every evil and every enemy that afflicts you. And we will be completely free. And until that day, we remember each deliverance that He's accomplished in our lives now. And we cast ourselves upon His care. Who else could we lean upon? Who else can you lean upon? But only Him. Well, that's the third and most important truth that this psalm shows us about God's help. David shows us the seriousness of the danger. He shows us the nature of the deliverance. And finally, he shows us and reminds us of the identity of the deliverer. The identity of our deliverer. Look again at verse 8. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The emphasis here is on the name of the Lord. Why the name? Well, David is reminding us that our helper is the personal, living, creator God. We're not depending upon some generic force or some abstract power or some nameless being. We're not depending upon, you know, a turn of good fortune or good luck or anything like that. No, we depend upon the personal triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit, who has revealed Himself to us, whom we know by name, 
and he gives us his name so that we might call upon him in prayer. This psalm begins and ends by reminding us of the name and identity of our deliverer, the Lord. Don't you call upon his name? Call upon his name for that trial that you're facing. Call upon his name for the sake of your church and the trials that your church is facing. You know, we have all of these modern mantras in the world that so sadly have made their way into Christian thinking and into the church. You're strong. You can do it. You need to rise to your potential. If you just have enough faith, you can make your miracle. Well, this psalm shows us that all of these slogans are nonsense. We don't boast in ourselves. We don't trust in our strength. We don't even trust in our faith or the strength of our faith. We trust in our God, the God in whom we have faith. He is our help. He is our deliverer. And brothers and sisters, the reason God helps us and the reason that God delivers us is because He has already done so. He's accomplished the greatest deliverance in the life of Jesus, the Son of David, the Son of God. You see, when you're reading the Psalms, you always need to remind yourself that the Psalms are the prayer book of Jesus. David's words are fulfilled in David's son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was attacked and assailed by the enemies of God. Jesus had enemies who rose up against him, who tried to swallow him alive. Their anger was killed against him, uh, kindled against him. Jesus was in conflict all of his life, right from the time he was born where this wicked king and tyrant, Herod, Herod, sought to put him to death, even as a child. And all through his life, Jesus was in conflict and at war with Satan. Jesus was constantly surrounded by enemies, constantly assaulted. And on the cross, it looked like all was lost. On the cross, it looked like Jesus was swallowed up, like the flood had swept him away. Like the enemy had him in his teeth. Like a bird in a trap. It looked like Jesus was in the trap ready to be crushed. But Jesus cried out to his father. And Jesus depended right to his dying hour on God the maker of heaven and earth, and he was delivered. He was raised from the dead. He defeated Satan's sin and death by the power of his cross and resurrection. He rescues us. And in him we have our help and our deliverance. You see, all of us have experienced the greatest deliverance if you are in Christ. We were once bound in the trap of sin. 
swept away by the flood of our own sin, under the power of Satan, captive to the fear of death, ready to face destruction. But God intervened and has delivered us through Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross as a substitute for us, for our sins. He defeated Satan, sin, and death forever. So that we can now say, if Jesus had not been on our side, we would have faced eternal destruction. If Jesus had not been on our side, then we would have been swept away in the flood. We would have been utterly destroyed. But what a timely, supernatural, and complete deliverance the Lord Jesus Christ has achieved for us, our great heavenly helper. So maybe you're here this evening or watching online. And maybe you feel weak and helpless in your life. Maybe you feel engulfed and absolutely overwhelmed by everything that's going wrong. Maybe you're here and, and you don't know Jesus. And you feel the weight of your sin and you feel like there's no way out. You feel trapped and in bondage and fearful of where your sin is leading. Well, I want to encourage you, if that's you, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, the Son of God, the maker of heaven and earth. Dear non-Christian friend, come to this Savior, this Deliverer, Dear brother or sister in Christ, come and once again cast yourself in the arms of the only true helper for sinners, the one who died for sinners, who will help you now and forevermore. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what a great salvation you have wrought for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that he is our helper now and forevermore. We can depend on you. In Jesus' name, amen.